Hi there, welcome to Talk Canicross. I'm Janetta George. And I'm Gail Walker. We're here today to talk all things Canicross, the fun way to get fit with your dog. So each month we'll be joined by a special guest or two. We'll hear from professionals, regular Canicrossers, and also dog and human experts in their field. It will be real people and real stories. So we hope you'll join us, whether it's for training tips, dog talk, or just for fun and encouragement. This is Talk Canicross, brought to you by DogFit. And don't forget to hit subscribe and keep in touch with all things Canicross. When we talk about Canicross, you know, we tend to focus on three main pieces of equipment, our belt, the dog's harness and the line. But, you know, what's often overlooked is what you should be wearing on your feet. You know, we've all been there and just gone out and bought a pair of trainers that we think will do the job. Then when it gets really muddy and wet, we all start to wish we'd gone for something with a bit better traction especially when you've got a dog pulling out in front of you, you know, or worse still, we start to pick up injuries. So, you know, when it comes to which trainers you should be wearing, especially for off-road running, you know, it can be a complete minefield. There are, you know, there's so many brands out there all claiming to do different things, whether it's the amount of cushioning and support you need or the best tread for the train you run on. So what should we be looking for when buying our trail shoes, aside from whether they come in our favourite colour? Well, Thankfully, today we have a leap canny crosser and co-owner of Alton Sports Running Shop, Georgie Lambert, with us today. And uh, so our feet are in good hands, so to speak. So welcome, Georgie. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, thanks, Georgie. It's really, really good to have you on the show. Um, and any regular listeners to our podcast will already know you from a previous podcast. But for those who haven't come across you before... Please give us a bit of a background about yourself and in particular your Canicross experience and of course your passion for running. Yeah, so hi, I'm Georgie Lambert. Um, I've been Canicrossing now for around five, six years, but I've been in the sporting industry for almost 15, which makes me sound really mm-hmm. old. So um, I started Canicrossing when I rehomed um, our dog Benson. I was already a runner before that and in my my, in my past with my running career side, I have been a track runner, a road runner. Um, I've always had a passion for trail and cross country. And then when I found Canny Cross, two passions met and I've just loved it ever since. Oh, and, and just so that people who haven't heard of you before, um, what level are you Canny Crossing now? Yeah, brilliant. So I um, we now represent with um, Great Britain um, and we last time we were able to compete in a season, we were third in Europe. Uh, excellent. That's amazing. And, and, and tell us a, bit, a little bit about your dogs quickly that you run with. Yeah, so when I first got Benson, which is our, um, our rehome, he's a Collie Cross uh, Spaniel. We don't really know what he is. And then we found you guys um, for our taster session. Mm-hmm. um he's brilliant um quite he's nine now actually which is su- surprising he's got there quite quickly I can't believe um, he's nine really yeah my little baby <laughs> and then um we got B which is a Scandinavian hound um she's she's queen bee actually and she mm-hmm. is the dog that I managed to get to European bronze with um yeah three now she is Wow. wow. Yeah. She's super fast though, isn't she? I mean, she's got got quite a few sort of weak uh, breeds in her, isn't she? Isn't yeah, some... she's brilliant. Mm. So she's purpose-bred. Um, mm-hmm. She's a pointer cross greyhound. Um, and yeah, she's brilliant. She's around 20, 21 kilograms. So quite small for the breed, mm. but perfect for me. And we've got a great partnership and we've got a lot to 
enjoy our years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's um so it's very handy, of course, that you are an expert in running shoes, especially canny crossing at that level. And I know that when I first started canny crossing, I actually just got my regular road runners, I only had one pair, and I didn't even realise there was a whole world of different trainers out there. How important is it when, when people are coming um, to you for the first time to make sure they're getting the right footwear? Yes, so um, I, since I've been canny crossing and I, I'm quite, um, I know the community quite well and I talk to a lot of individuals privately, it's been amazing and I've learned so much over the years about footwear and how different that is for canny cross compared to what I call, and for the purpose of the podcast, we're called solo running, so without the dogs attached, mm-hmm. and how different those, those footwears are. Um, people who come to us in the stores will generally come in for gait analysis, where we will see the movements that occurs while they run, which is completely different to when you walk. Um, and that's what we do in store. We do it for both road shoes and trail shoes. So are you saying then, Georgie, because this is really interesting, there's obviously a, a difference between a road shoe and a trail shoe, which would be good to understand the fundamental differences. But were you saying as well that even there's a difference between off-road, a shoe for off-road solo runners versus the shoe for canny cross runners? Yeah, I mean like... Well, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of shoes out there mm-hmm. and there's a lot of shoes in my wardrobe that's for sure but yes the your your gait your stance and your running stride changes a lot from where you canny cross to where you solo run so that's off-road that's two different footwears and then you've got your road run in where you'll just have your solo running one obviously from don't mm-hmm. run on road with dogs so and then you'll have your solo shoe for that so there's there's going to be quite a lot of shoes around and then maybe even for canny crossers who were looking to um, do that next level while they're competing, there'd be then another shoe for your, your competitions. Well, that's very interesting. So okay, someone... that's probably why I don't have those ones then. <laughs> yeah, I think you need more trainers. <laughs> we all need an excuse for buying one. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I, so I, but I need to start entering some of these competitions, but yeah, I can understand why it's a minefield for people. So... You know, going back to Jeanette's point when she said she started out with a road shoe. Yeah. You know, what are the sort of the basic? If we're starting from scratch, what are the fundamental differences then? I know you said you're look, you're, the things you're looking for about gait and how people run, and but you know, if you're taking a couple of pairs of comparing shoes, you know, what are the main differences between the two, irrespective of the way someone runs necessarily? Yes, so between a road and a trail shoe, what you're going to get in a trail shoe that you don't get in a road version is a more durable upper to protect your foot and then the shoe lasts longer. Um, Better grip on the sole unit, so the terrain that we're then then, um, stepping on and running over. And then also that durability of the sole unit. You'll get a lot more flexion um, generally in road shoes than you will a trail shoe. Yeah, interesting. So for somebody that's buying their first trail shoes, they've started Canny Cross um, and, you know, might have only had road trainers up until now. They need to buy trail trainers. Um, obviously, the first thing would be to go to a specialist running shop like yourselves. I mean, not all our listeners are going to be able to come to Farnham. Um, yeah. But for those people that were tempted to buy just online and um, what, what are your views on that? And what would be the difference with actually coming into a, a specialist running shop? 
Yeah, it's super important to get to any specialist that's near you um, to ask for the knowledge and that advice. They they will, you know, they'll be very much like us as a specialty in the south of England, where they will be able to look at your foot, talk to you, ask you questions about where and when you're running. And then they'll be already in their heads, they'll have the two models that would be best suited. But it's it's all down to you as the as the wearer. And the bottom line is for any trail shoe is comfort. And that's something you can't buy online. You don't know if they're going to be comfortable or not. So that's why it's so important to go into store um, and yeah, see a specialty that can talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that uh, my sister has actually just come down to your store recently. She liked my trail, my trail trainers because she liked the look of them, but actually ended up with something completely different because her, her feet are completely different. So, um, yeah. yeah, she was glad she came down. Yeah, the trail category is now huge. So if anyone's listening now who are road runners, you would know how big the road running um, shoe categories can be and how many brands there are out there and then how many shoes there are in each brand that is almost mirrored now when it comes to off-road shoes it's a huge growing category and the UK love trail running yeah it's interesting you say that I remember when I first started out in off-road running doing Kenny Cross there were probably two brown brands that people spoke about yeah and I'm not running in either of them now because I have so much more choice yeah and to your point a bit like my road shoes I can be a bit more particular about what I'm looking for. You know, something that, because you get think you get different with, with shoes, you get more cushioning, you know, and this, there's even choice of the colours you want as well, if you want to have your matching set of accessories. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree. There's definitely a much bigger choice. And that's why I think it's, that's why we wanted to do this podcast with you, because like I say, it's a bit of a minefield. And when people are starting off doing canny cross, sometimes you know you overlook the shoes and you think one pair will do it all. So, um, so you talked about what people can expect from when they get you know, come to a shop and get fitted and recommended with shoe. Um, what what I, I get asked this you know often when we run in the um, canny cross season. Obviously, it's muddy and wet, and there'll be certain type of shoe you might recommend for that. I'll come on to that in a second, but. Um, when it's sort of like the firmer terrain, so you're running sort of like springtime and it's quite dry, a lot of people would argue that it's fine to wear a road shoe because you don't need the lugs on the, the trail shoe. Now, what's your advice? Do you have a view on that at all? Yeah, so I mean, like, again, it, it is down to personal preference. and That's always the bottom line. If someone can get away with that, then that's brilliant. And now my sentence of get away with that is because my years now of fitting canny crosses, I've learned a lot about blistering. And I've learned that the blistering occurs for canny crosses because when we strike the ground, the dogs are still moving forward. Therefore, our foot inside the shoe is moving. Yet if we were solo running without the dog attached, our foot would not move. It would just strike the ground and come off with our own body weight. So adding that dog in canny crossing makes a lot more movement within your shoe. And that's when I talk about volume within the trainer and also the right sock, which is hugely important so the idea for if you were canny crossing on drier land or even storm paths I think that's my most common one when people a lot of people run around forestry commissions mm -hmm. on storm paths then they are the ones that I find will wear road shoe but then get these issues with these blisterings because the upper is so much softer 
and the foot is able to move a lot more. So then we can talk about maybe socks um, to reduce that volume within the shoe. I see. So we're going to need another podcast on socks. Is that what you're saying? saying? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I, I mean, I know that, you know, you, you normally you're going up a, a few sizes and that's really interesting about your foot moving around more because you are being pulled by the dog. Mm. Um, that's an interesting side. So when it is muddy terrain, is there also a difference between um, kind of the, the cushioning in the shoe um, and the, the lugs that are on the bottom, depending on how deep the mud is? So, yeah. Yeah, this is a big one, actually, because unfortunately for us, um, it does tend to be the deeper the lug on the outsole, the less cushioning you end up getting within a trail shoe. So you kind of like have to have one or the other. There's a couple of models out there, literally a handful of models that I would say give you both. Um, but then that's not going to suit everyone. And we're back at the start of trail running where there was only two options out there for people. Um, so, so yes, the deeper lug, the, the better for mud. There is a point though, and we all know it because we live generally, all of us live in the UK, not all of us will, but you, the, the mud is so deep that no tractor tread is going to save you that it's mm. it's all about the way that your technique is and the way that you move across that mud. So it does get to a point where I feel like maybe tread is um, liked a bit too much and that we need to be looking at making sure it fits our foot perfectly so we're uber confident in that shoe and therefore our technique will be better so try not to overthink that is probably my my advice on that one yeah that's interesting because you mentioned earlier about comfort is you know quite important mm. so if you go for a deeper lug and then you lose a bit of cushioning and someone actually prefers cushioning or needs cushioning yeah the counter side of that is that you could get some discomfort and maybe this injury yeah exactly your technique's not right or doesn't yeah. work for that shoe yeah. yeah exactly that's why comfort is always king because your technique will get ruined and then in turn you'll get injured even if that's superficial through blistering or if it's an injury through later on by not having the right stride as you run yeah mm -hmm. and i guess as you said confidence if you're confident your feet you're, you're getting a good grip with your feet then that will help you become a, a better canny crosser and be more in tune with your dog. But, but for someone maybe with only, you know, wants to invest in just one pair of trainers, uh, off-road trail trainers, is there a good kind of middle ground? Yeah, there's loads of those, actually loads. And it's, that's why the category has grown so much is where you have a good tread, not an uber deep lug, but a very good tread that's got great cushioning and has got a brilliant upper. And there's lots of those out there and different widths, not so much that they change because the standard width is a, a D um, and then you would go to a 2E for wider width. It changes for genders, but that's a bit more in depth. Um, but the different brands will fit differently, will physically be wider. And then again, that's why it's so important to go into a specialty where they will see your foot and they would know what brand would be the best. So it, interestingly, just uh, what's the difference between men's and women's trainers? Yeah, yeah not it's, the same, you think, don't you? Yeah, yeah it's the colour. No, it, it is the colouring, um, but also that it'd be the standard width. So they're made on different lasts. Um, okay. Yeah made on different lasts so the men's are generally wider and the men's are and the women's are generally more narrow and it's all to do with the fact that um females can be pregnant so they have a wider forefoot and a narrower heel counter 
so that the weight mm -hmm. distribution can hold us um, and men are the other way around but that is so generalized and it's changed so much over the years yeah, and I guess if you were coming into the, the shop or and there was a man's trainer that fitted your your foot better perfect doesn't matter does it no no so be it we, I change genders I, I move over genders all the time for people when I'm fitting um, and it's it's so normal so normal to see that and it's all about what is comfortable for you. Just out of interest, because you mentioned earlier that there's lots more brands out there now than there used to be a few mm. years ago. In, through your store at Autumn Sports, how many different brands roughly do you sell? I'm just curious because yeah. I've been to your store and it is, I mean, it's, it's like Aladdin's cave in there. And it's brilliant. I spend hours, but, um, and I do <laughs> I spend a lot of money. But yeah, so how many brands roughly are there out there? Yeah, so we, we stock 14 footwear brands. Mm -hmm. I know that one off the top of my head, which is brilliant. And, you know, that's growing all the time. Oh, wait, it could be even bigger, but there, there is a point um, where maybe too much choice is almost negative. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, my actual background is that I used to work for a, a shoe company. I used to work for Brooks Running. And then that's when I met Toby, my husband, and then that's when I joined back into retail through Alton Sports. So I've kind of seen both sides and it is really fascinating having that insight and how brands, you know, come up with making new models or making new categories. Um, it's, it's been amazing. And I see that now with other brands. Now I'm back in retail, a lot more open-minded, but yeah, it's fascinating. There's always brands growing. In fact, even this year, I think we've, had, we've been approached by at least four brand new footwear companies that are just, wow. you know, you think the industry's already saturated, but there's room for more. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> you can only just stock so many, too much choice, it's just yeah. it becomes ridiculous. But how much would someone expect to pay for a, for a good kind of mid-range pair of trainers, trail trainers for Canny Cross? Yeah, I think this is where sometimes it scares people. And I, I, I hate the idea of that. And as a company, and I'm sure as other specialties out there will back me up here, we you we will always range to your price point so if anyone is out there thinking i know how much the average price point is and that is 120 120 quid is the average price but you've just got to talk to your specialty accounts and just say to them look this is where i'm at i've got 60 quid 70 quid can you help me out i 100 guarantee that a specialty would never turn you away they will always talk to you make sure that you're in the right shoe and then then you've got <laughs> and they will sort you out and then you will know to always go back to them that's the thing what price do you put on you know not getting injured and yeah. being comfortable and they last a long long time so it's it's a good investment and like you said if you've got people spend you know on up the candy cross kit and they forget about getting a, a good pair of trainers and we often say the kit's a similar price to a pair of trainers so mm. if it's worth investing in the in the right shoe definitely yeah it's cheap for the gym membership i guess the burning question everyone's going to want to know is what what trail trainers do you candy cross in <laughs> yes obviously, obviously the best ones for your feet but look, yeah. tell us about your ones yeah which ones one. which ones will get me a pb in my 5k <laughs> you know it's funny actually i got my pb with um b um just before uh the summer this summer just gone because we haven't started racing yet this season um and i ran in a brand new pair of shoes that i'd never worn before and um I was quite I was quite shocked by that, but they they didn't work for me. I ended up with some blisters, so they won't be going on my feet again. Okay. 
<laughs> so everyone makes mistakes. Um, yeah, so so for my solo running, I, I do this all on storm paths or all roads, and I I like Nike, Nike. Um, I wear the Pegasus quite a lot. I also wear quite a lot of On, a Swiss brand. It does really well for us in stores. Um, they they're constantly making new models and really hitting the ground running with their um, evolutions. Um, I actually had some information about the different shoes that I wear and it was when I started jotting down some notes for this and I thought it was quite interesting and the, for anyone who already is a bit of a shoe geek it might be quite interesting. I started looking at my drops in my shoes so it's all about, I call it the stiletto drop, and it's basically the heel to your forefoot and what that drop is and how high your stiletto is, if you like. Um, so generally, we talk about this in stores all the time with customers. Generally, it's for your, your, um, your long running or your, your full mileage shoe. It's around eight to 12 mil drop. And I would say that feels uber comfortable. You're probably going to get loads of cushioning from that model. Um, and generally everyone likes the feel of that model and then my racing shoes I've noticed that they're around a four to a six mil drop and I th and I do think that's because I'm going for my racing shoes more aggressive outer sole mm -hmm. so therefore the drop then comes down because the cushioning is kind of getting eliminated um, which isn't my fave by the way but it's great for racing and if it gets the job done that's that's great um, and then, but there is this new one to the market that's just come out, literally just come out. It's the Saucony Endorphin Trail. It's really firm. It's got loads of cushioning, but it's still a four mil drop. Okay. So it's a bit of an anomaly mm. out there. Mm. So I think it's really good for people to realize that there's just so much choice out there and that you really do need to just go in and try stuff on. And what works for one person might not work for the other. Um, and what works for your solo running might not work for your canny cross. Yeah. So, so, you, so are you saying that it, with the with your racing ones, your your foot is almost flatter because if it's gone from four eight mil to four mil? Yeah, it is, which uh, which allows you to have um, like there's less shoe to get in your way, um, less shoe to carry. So also the weight goes down. The weights are here as well. It's not a massive difference in weights anymore. I think technology's been really amazing. And that you'll find that your road shoes, your your long distance models, are almost the same weight as some of the trail racing shoes, which is amazing. Interesting. Mm. So, so for someone who wants to buy a pair of shoes for canny cross, mm. to know which are the best ones for canny crossing versus solo running, yeah, are you, is the best thing to do is to talk to someone in the shop because well, there'll be a lot of retailers out there that won't know about Canny Cross or there. So how do you go about it? That's, you know, yeah. that's a challenge in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it is a challenge in itself. And I, I would, I, I bet there is quite a lot of specialties now that know about Canny Cross. I mean, mm -hmm. I even, I, I don't know if it's because of me personally within Alton Sports, but we get quite a lot that just go through to our inquiries, which is a bit more of a generic email, just saying, oh, hey, I Canny Cross and I've been having issues with X, Y, and Z, not mentioning my name. So there is a hell of a lot of canny crosses out there. There's lots of us. We're taking over the world slowly. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are. Um, but um, I do think it's going to be a process of elimination as well, um, which is a bit of a shame for bank balances. But whatever shoe you get from a specialty is not going to be naff. So they're always going to be good. They're always going to work. But sometimes you can just, for your next module, you'll be like, maybe I could just tweak that or maybe I'll try this. 
And there's always ways to also make them a bit more personalized, um, the shoes, because they are mass produced. I mean, like the size five is produced for everyone out there, but it might, mm. everyone's foot isn't exactly the same. So again, talking about that volume. So that's when you start looking at the right sock for you um, and, the, and the size as well. Um, I never really thought about the sock because I just get a pair that I like and really, really think about it working with the right shoe. So <laughs> a lot of things to think about, isn't it? I know. And then the sock wow. works with what shoe? And then there's yeah. some shoes that I've got that don't work with some of my socks, but the other shoes do. It's crazy. It's like really, you've got to get the right combo and just work with what works for you. But don't listen to what other people are working with and what works for them because there's no way their foot is the same shape as yours. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's so important. Yeah, it's a personal, personal, obviously, choice and comfort. But I know there's a whole laces area as well, isn't there? There's a whole, you know, different types of laces, different, different uh, ways that you can lace up your shoes that make a difference. And is that, is, is that advice that you give people in the shop as well? Yeah, all specialties will talk to you about how, like, it sounds so silly. And sometimes people look at me a little bit funny, generally generally older men I'm like best looking at the way that you do your lacing and they're like what is this woman talking about and then I'm like it's really important laces take up if you look at your trainer look how much the laces take up on that shoe and yeah. it's fundamentally the last source of security that you're putting on your foot inside that shoe how else is your foot going to stay in the shoe so they're so important and there's millions of ways to do up your laces and it might sound silly but um, we, we've got a couple of videos floating around on YouTube about how to do up your lacing. You can change it in different ways, but that also changes the volume of your shoe. And it's really important if you've got bunions, if you've got heel spurs, um, yeah, it's just, there's so many different things, but I don't want to make it sound like this is really complicated because it's not, it's just something, it's just like harness fitting for dogs. There's just, yeah. you just got to make sure you get the right one. Um, try not to look into it too much and make sure that the dog's comfortable and you just got to make sure that you're comfortable all the time. Yeah, I think that's a really good good um, summary. And then you, you might adjust and look for a bit more as you progress. And it's just the same with running trainers. When I first started, I bought a, basic pair of proper trainers and I've got like 10, 20 pairs, you know, and they, you get to know there's a certain type of brand I like or a style I like. It's taken many years to get something that works for me. Now I'm going to have hundreds more socks by the sounds of it and laces. But anyway, um, so going back to your point about it's really about just sticking to the fundamentals, right? So somebody is fairly new to Canicross or they've been in Canicross a, a little while, but they realise then probably not in the right shoe. Mm -hmm. Now, what would be, if you just, just to summarise, okay, without going into all the intricacies, because like you said, it's about the basics and getting that right first. You know, what would you say in your experience, both as a retailer and as a canny cross, you know, elite canny crosser, what would you say are the sort of, the, you know, the three or four sort of priorities that you should be looking for when you're looking for a trail shoe, a canny cross? Yeah, so you need to work on what, what terrain you're running on. So I think, just think about that first. Um, if it's only 10% of the time you're going to go down that horrifically muddy trail, then think more about the 90%. Where What terrain is that? How deep a mud is that? It's quite a lot of it hard packed because you're going to have to look at cushioning if that is the case. Mm -hmm. Canny crossing does load force. So there is a lot more force going through each stride. Um, that's where the cushioning comes very important. Get the size right. 
the only way you're going to get that right is to go and see someone, try some shoes on, um, go and see your specialty. And don't just pick up the shoe that your mate's wearing, that they got on with. I think that's probably one of my biggest things that people come in, they're like, oh, I had these. Um, and I, I try not to say the brand because it sounds negative to the brand, but obviously if it just doesn't, doesn't fit one person, doesn't mean it won't fit the other um, or work for them. And they've, you know, forked out, bought it over the internet, which isn't, isn't the end of the world. You can buy over the internet, um, but then they've just got it completely wrong and it's just gone wrong for them and they've had a negative experience with their feet. And um, blisters take quite a long time to heal. So it is in everyone's... Um, you know, uh, benefit for, to get it right um, first or second time. Yeah, you mentioned size actually, Georgie. I, mm. I actually run in a shoe size, an extra size up. Mm. Um, and that worked because your foot, foot moves forward as you run a bit. So I, probably a lot of people might not even realise that. I mean, is that, do you do the same? Because I find I have to, yeah. for it to be comfortable. Yeah, personally, I go up as so for my fashion shoe size is what I normally how I normally talk about it. So fashion mm. shoe size to your runner, mm. um, I mm. go up a whole size and a half, um, and that and I do that with my canny cross shoes as well, exactly the same. It's just you. The last thing you want is the shoe to be too short and you cramp your toes up. That is going to affect your planter inside your foot because you're going to be cramped and then it's going to do your Achilles do your calf and it's just going to go all the way up your body so it's really important to get that size right going too big there isn't really that many injuries involved from canny cross I could imagine then there's too much movement maybe blistering but going too short is one of the biggest um, dangers you could you could do it is it's not a good not a good move mm -hmm. so don't worry about the number on the box just go with what fits yeah, and it, and it sounds like, you know, it really is investing in a decent pair of trainers with a good specialist advice is going to, in the long run, be helpful for you and, and save you from injury as well. So I'm sure there's lots of people who have been listening to this podcast that probably wanted me just to tell them what brand and model to go for. But that it just really isn't the case. There's just so many brands out there. And that's really exciting and great for us as Candy Crossers. So just pop into your specialty, go and have a good conversation with them. If they don't know what Canny Cross is, just let them know that it's that force and that, that pull that you're getting every time you strike the ground. Um, and I'm sure they'll be able to point you in the right direction. That's brilliant. I, I mean, I must say, Georgie, there's, I already knew there was a lot to running trainers, but even I've learned so much now, <laughs> think about so many things, but it's really fascinating to think that not just is there a difference between shoes, you, you know, your run, running shoes, for road and the ones for trail but just whether you the whole di dimension of you know having a dog pulling in front of you as well and, and thinking about that and a pull as, as you know from the shoe so um yeah it's really fascinating and um i just want to say a huge thank you because um i think we'll have all have learned a lot from listening to this podcast and uh you know your wealth of knowledge and uh we look forward to sort of watching you compete again. I bet you're looking forward to it, aren't you? Because we've had that hiatus with um, the pandemic, but there's some big events hopefully lined up for you. Now we're back into Canicross season. Anything yeah. in particular lined up? Yeah, I'm really excited. In fact, actually, we're, we're looking at doing um, a stage race for the first time um, um, in France that's called the TSB. Um, it'll be the end of October, so not long. Um, 
but that's another factor i'm gonna have to go away and do some researching because that's racing every single day like i'm a, it's about seven days on the trot um and that's going to be again just a different type of footwear to what i'm used to so i'm super excited to go away and like learn more and hopefully be able to help other other runners with it i think um, more trainers undoubtedly <laughs> but thanks george and and we, we'll put all in the show notes we'll put some links to your laces um youtube videos and obviously your contact details as well and yeah good luck for the forthcoming season thank, thank you. you guys thanks thank for having me good luck thanks bye. Georgie. Bye. thank you for listening to this episode of talk canny cross we really hope that you've enjoyed it But don't forget to hit subscribe so we can keep you up to date and let you know when the next episode comes out. Happy canny crossing.